We want to show the real side of small business, the true small business life. There are a lot of misconceptions about small business and we want to give you a glimpse into the real life of a small business owner. The highs, the lows, the failures, the successes, the full small business life story so that you too can know that you are not alone on your small business journey and so that you can see the journey that many other small business owners have taken themselves. Remember to like, share, and comment so that many others can share in the small business life story. And we'll start recording. Three, two. Hello, Colin. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Hi, John. I'm just doing great today. Thanks. Fantastic. How has 2021 treated you thus far? So far, so good. The best thing about it is I'm still above ground. So that's one heck of, a, <laughs> heck of an advantage. <laughs> very true. Very true. How did things but, change for you in 2020? Was it a big shift or were you pretty much doing the same consistent? You know, it was a shift, all right. I make no mistake about that. But fortunately or unfortunately, but I'm thinking more fortunately, uh, a lot of the stuff I do is online anyhow. So uh, it, we didn't do as many Zoom calls at that time as we do now. Uh, or, or Skype or some things like that. But um, it, it's affected us, obviously, to a degree that uh, I'm a great people person and I just love being in networking meetings and talking to people and that sort of thing, sort of, you know, eyeball to eyeball. Now it's kind of uh, <laughs> virtual eyeball to virtual eyeball. Yeah, it's definitely changed a lot. And I think to your point, a lot of the people that had already started that digital journey or were embracing the new technology, they did really, really well. Uh, right. the people who kind of fought the trend, those were the ones who really, really struggled. It's like, uh, it's just tough. Yeah. And you know, they say you can't fight City Hall. And <laughs> that's about right. <laughs> true. True. So please tell us. I mean, you and I have had a chance to get to know each other a little bit. But for everyone listening who does not know, who is Colin Clementson? Well, <laughs> uh, that's me. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Um, First of all, uh, I guess I'm, I'm a South African native. Uh, I was born there. Uh, my father was English. And my mother was Australian. And uh, as I say, I was born in South Africa. So I must be something like a Heinz 57 variety or a Baskin's 35 flavors, or something like that. <laughs> Anyhow, we lived there for, uh, for, year, for many years until about uh, 1987, in fact, when we immigrated to the States. And I came across on business here. I was in the, uh, in the uh, commercial real estate world. And um, I worked in commercial real estate here in, in the States for, for several years. Uh, and then uh, at the time, it sounded like a disaster. But in reality, it turned out to be a very good thing. Was the company I was with uh, got bought out. And uh, it, uh, the company who bought us out had a, a branch operating in the same place as, as we did. And I happened to be the general manager of the of that uh, organization. So obviously they uh, shook me nicely by the hand, gave me a check and said, uh, you know, keep walking. So <laughs> I went home and thought, you know, in all my years, I've never actually been let go. And this, this was quite a sort of a blow in, in a sense. Uh, and I sat down and fortunately they'd given me a decent severance pay. So I, I sat down for a couple of weeks and just really thought what the heck I wanted to do. And uh, I uh, belonged to the Rotary Club in those days. And uh, one of the Rotary members said, look, I'm in the in the mortgage business. Uh, I think you, you do well in the mortgage business. Why don't you 
come, you know, work with me for a while. I'll teach you the game and see how it goes. So we did that. And after about oh, a couple of months, I, it was a nice business. I enjoyed it very much. But what I found was the person I was with was a terribly knowledgeable guy. I mean, he'd been in the game 30 years. and uh, But he was very set in his ways. And they only really sold about three or four products. And they sold them very well. And they did very well. And, and I kind of did okay. But I, I thought, man, there's a big wide world out there. Why don't we do that? Why don't we do this? And why don't we do that? No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. This is what we do. So, cut a long story short, I thought, you know, I, I can, I, I've got enough of a taste of this thing that it's pretty good. So I broke off uh, very kindly and very nicely because he was very good to me. Uh, and I started my own in uh, the subprime side of life. In other words, oh. all the people they dealt with were people who could qualify, uh, qualify from income, qualify from, from deposit and all that kind of stuff. And I kept coming across people who just didn't qualify. And I thought, man, there's got to be a way to help these guys. So I found the way in the sense of, of subprime mortgages. And uh, before this was before they were a dirty word. Right, exactly, exactly. In, in the early days, they, they were a very necessary uh, part of the mortgage business. So I started that off. And uh, that's the first time that I, number one, owned a business of my own. Number two, uh, I had to learn an awful lot of things. And one of the things I learned very quickly was you need to know who your client is because the the uh, the mortgage industry is a huge industry and to try and sell mortgages to everybody is just crazy so i had settled on the on the uh, subprime market people who could not qualify and i stayed there for a long time and uh, it was an excellent business we built it up very well and amongst the other things that i learned was that after i'd come from the corporate world so Everything was done for you in the sense that if you needed marketing, the marketing department handled it. If you needed accounting, the accounting department handled it. Well, every time I looked in the mirror, I saw the marketing department, the HR, the accounting department, and a guy who looked a little bit bemused about the whole thing. You know, what do I do now, do you think? All of a sudden, you're wearing all the different hats. You have all of the different roles. There's no, I want to call this right. person for marketing support, or, you know, it's like, Oh, I am that marketing support. I am support. The marketing support, yeah. The only trouble is I'm a bit of a dummy because I don't know the answers. <laughs> so I better fire this marketing guy and get another one. Oh, when I looked in the mirror, the, the pickings weren't that good. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is too funny. So keep going, please keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, cut a long story short. Um, I soon learned that there's a lot of things I'm not good at and I better find somebody to do them. Uh, and I better concentrate on what I know. And, uh, and, and most importantly, I better concentrate on how to find clients because without clients, clearly there was no business. So uh, taking what I knew about the mortgage industry and, and handling that, um, I then got salesmen in and I got uh, people to handle the processing and et cetera, et cetera, and, and built up a nice business, which we ran for a long time. Um, during that time, uh, when it was running smoothly, I decided, well, you know, there's a couple of other avenues here that are underserved because now I thought I was a marketing genius. No doubt, I mean, I'd already got this business running. So I started looking for other avenues and what I looked for was underserved markets where people were just not getting either good service or a service at all, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so we went through a variety of different businesses doing that and uh, eventually I retired. 
And uh, I uh, spent about, well, it was probably not even a year, probably about six to nine months uh, in retirement. And I played a lot of golf and I read a lot of books and I went a lot of travels, but we traveled anyhow because my wife and I are, are besotted about traveling. So we travel all over the world. And um, I got bored and I thought, I don't quite know what to do with myself. I, I certainly don't want to go back and, and, and you know, really be hell bent in, in business again. Uh, but I do want to do something. So I, I being, having been a lot of time in the real estate business, I, I bought and sold a couple of houses and did this and did that, but nothing really turned me on. And one night my wife and I were having supper and she said, uh, and I was complaining really saying, you know, damn it, I, I don't know what the hell to do. I'm, I'm bored and I, I don't even know which direction to go down. And she said, well, you know what? You ran your businesses and they were small businesses as we categorize them. And you learned a hell of a lot. Why don't you, there's gotta be other business people out there who are battling just like you did in the beginning. Why don't you teach them what you learned and may most importantly, maybe what you, they shouldn't do. So <laughs> I thought, you know what, that's a damn good idea. And so um, last year I started this uh, business and um, that's, that's pretty much what we do is we, we show uh, marketing, uh, we show people how to market. In fact, we, we really prefer to do it for them because uh, people don't have the time uh, to, to spend on marketing, which should be 100%. Somebody somewhere should spend 100% in that business of their time generating cash flow because it's, it's cash flow that is, is, uh, is the name of the game. And cash flow comes from one thing only, really, and that is paying customers. <laughs> exactly. I think you bring up a really good point there when you're you're talking a core function like like marketing. You know, it's kind of the same thing with accounting. You can't ignore it because if you ignore it, you're not going to be around very long. Right. And as the small business owner, the buck stops with you. You have to find a solution. No one wants to have to. You know, it's kind of like paying taxes. No one wants to pay the cost of it. But it's not. Don't look at it as an expense. Look at it as an investment. If it if that investment drives you towards your vision. That, that, that's a good investment that, that's moving the ball forward now obviously if it takes you in a different direction then it might not be good but in terms of like core function marketing accounting i mean hr you, you have to you must have those systems in place you've got to i mean it's it's uh say you know you can you can get away with a bookkeeper for so long and then you need an accountant you know, I, I think that you really brought up a good point there are different businesses have different needs based upon their maturity level when you, if you're a, a one-man show and you're just starting off a bookkeeper you're oh, gonna hey. be just fine but as you yeah. start adding employees you kind of start getting close to the, that multiple hundreds of thousand dollars worth of revenue or or a lot of transactions yeah, that's a lot of data to track, and you need to know that. It's the same thing for marketing. You can get away with putting a post on social media every now and then very, very early, but if you want the consistent, reliable, scalable system, you, you need to have an expert. You could have somebody doing that for you. Exactly. So, so that's pretty much what we do is take all of that off the hands from the marketing perspective. Take all of that off the hands of the business owner and, um, and basically produce clients or leads essentially for him. And then the second part that I found was uh, that we sort of fell into was um, we produced leads for people and they had these leads and they said, yes, we're getting the leads, they're great, but we're not converting them. And so I uh -huh. said, to them, what kind of sales 
situation have you got? I mean, who, who does the selling, number one? Uh, do you sell off a script? How do you sell? What do you do? And a lot of them were kind of winging it. Oh, well, you know, somebody picks up the phone when it rings and, and they kind of take it from there. And, wow, boy, that's, that's, you know, you spent a lot of money getting this lead in the door. <laughs> you better make sure that, you know, he, he's given or she's given a, when I say professional, I mean not an overkill thing, but a presentation of what it is that you can do to help them. Uh, the other thing I found, which was quite interesting, was a lot of businesses believe that marketing is telling the world how good I am, how I can serve you, how my business is just the best one around town kind of thing. Uh, but that's the wrong approach, in my opinion, because the client's really not interested how good you are. <laughs> he or she's interested in, look, I have a problem and I need to know you can fix this problem. So talk to me about how you're going to solve my problem. And boy, I mean, that's such a really good one too. I mean, we could probably talk about this topic alone for hours upon hours upon hours, but I, you really brought up a good point about the professionalism. No, you don't want to be robotic, but you need to have a system in place so that you can repeat it, you can predict it, you, you can grow it. Otherwise, you're never going to grow beyond your current level. Exactly. And and particularly if, if, a, if it's a smallish business where the, the owner does the selling, well, that's fine, except nobody else is learning how to do it. And if the owner gets sick, goes away, not available, whatever the case is, somebody picks it up, picks up the call, and, and uh, you know, chances are probably pretty good they're going to lose the deal. Mm -hmm, exactly. And that can cascade quickly. I mean, because then you start factoring in opportunity cost or customer retention, and that's yeah. when it can really spiral out of control. Right. Right. Again, all things that you can get in front of with the proper plan, with the proper execution. And that's actually a question I do want to ask. Um, can you dive into a, in a little more detail what you do specifically? Because I think there are a lot of conceptions when people hear marketing, it's like, oh, you're going to give me an idea for what I should post on social media. Well, that that's one type of marketing. But there's also there's marketing development. There's like fractional marketing officer roles. Uh, marketing is a very, very broad term. What do you tend to focus on? You know, basically, we, we look at it this way. The first, there's a number of things, as you mentioned. I mean, advertising is an integral part of, of marketing, but by no means the whole thing. Right. Uh, advertising is things like Facebook advertising, like YouTube advertising, like Google advertising, things like that. And these are certainly the top three uh, platforms to work on nowadays because given the 2021 situation with COVID, people are not going out as much as they used to. So they spend a lot more time on the internet. And therefore, one not only has to know how to uh, write advertising, but how to write the copy. Because again, going back to what I said earlier, Unless you know your client very well, uh, we call it the avatar. If you know your avatar, then you have got a leg up on anybody else. 90%, unfortunately, of the people I talk to in business do not know their avatar. In fact, when I say, who do you sell to? They say, essentially, anybody who will buy. Well, yes. That's that. that. That's who you serve, not who you target. And there That's is right. a difference because you need to have that, that perfect customer fit. Otherwise, you don't know how to reach them. I mean, we had a seminar a couple of weeks ago, and this was fascinating. 
Um, according to LGE Consulting, for the first time in our American economy, we have a 6G economy, meaning we have six active generations participating in our economy proactively. And the reason, I mean, to your point about knowing your customer profile, are they spending time on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, or YouTube? Well, <laughs> if you're catering to one of those markets, you're going to want to put your efforts there. You, if you don't know what you're aiming for, or in this case, who you're aiming for, you won't know where you need to be. Absolutely. I mean, if you try and market to the world, this is what you're saying. You're going to sell to nobody. <laughs> no, it's true. You can only shotgun so much. I mean, there's a, there's a time and a place for a shotgun approach. Don't get me wrong. But that's right. that's not knowing who you truly serve best. Not Especially our, our, our economy today is so complex and so intricate. You need to know all of these specifics. And I think that's one of the, one of the pieces of good news. It's really not too hard to get that data. No, Most not. of the time, people will have a pre-existing database that you could literally average out and say, hey, on average, this is who we got. Right. Or with, again, thanks to technology, you can do a little bit of research and find industry trends and different statistics basically telling you, hey, if you're in this industry, here's who you're going to shoot for. Absolutely. So it's all there. Now, the other thing, John, to follow up on that is why do you need to know your 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 client or who, who your avatar? Well, apart from everything you said is you need to address them in a language they understand. Oh, my goodness, so For yes. example, if you don't know their concerns, if you don't know their, their questions, if you don't know the things that are worrying them, if you don't know the conversation that's going on in their mind, then you have a problem. Because if you do know that, now your advertising can start to work. I've had many people say, oh, we tried Facebook, it didn't work. And I said, well, what did you do? And they tell me, and I say, absolutely, I can I can tell you now, it won't work. Just keep doing that and keep it will keep not working. So here's what you need to do. You need to know what, as I say, what their concerns, questions, what's going on in their head. And then your copy in that advert from the headline to the actual copy has to uh, address that situation. In other words, the client must feel like they're talking to me. I, I understand this. Uh, th in fact, that's my problem. Uh, so that's number one. Then, because, you know, the attention spans are very short today. I mean, they're down to seconds. <laughs> yep. Let, statistically, it's less than a goldfish now. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I don't know how much a goldfish is. but it It's seconds. Run. It's seconds. <laughs> it's got to be seconds. So if you, don't, if you don't catch their attention when they're scrolling through whatever, you know, platform they happen to be on, that's it. You, you just threw the money down the tubes. Then the next thing is, having got their attention, you've got to keep it. Uh, so yes, you 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 stop them in their tracks by saying, "Oh boy, that's that's me. I, I understand that problem, or I've got that problem." Then you have to immediately come up with something that says, "Now take some action. Do this. Do that. Visit this. Do whatever it may be." In this case, many of our cases, we we go take take them directly to a sales funnel, where the funnel can do a very brief. Not sales job, but a very brief ex expansion of the problems. Mm -hmm. So in other words, the, the headline caught them about the, 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 the nub of the problem. But now the, 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 uh, the opt-in page uh, on the uh, funnel can give them a, a, a two or three minute explosion of that so that they get a better picture of the whole problem. And the idea being that the copy is such that they say, oh, yes, oh, yes, this is me, oh, yes. And, and then they have a call to action immediately to say, if you need more, then you need to do the following, whatever that is.
can, can you walk us through an example of that? Because here's kind of where I go. Um, let's use accounting as an example. You might have a small business owner. And I'm ready to hire someone to keep my books. You So you have a, an ad that says something like, you know, we'll track all your financial records and make your life super easy or whatever. So they click on the ad. And that takes them through a series of questions because then you can know someone who's asking that question or is in that mindset they don't have any type of financial plan. They don't have any type of financial forecast. And then you bring a more holistic solution. But can you walk us through an example of what you've done along those lines? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, to take any, take, take, say, uh, oh, I don't know. I was working with a HVAC company the other day. Or in fact, a better one, we, uh, there's, there's a chiropractor we, we're working with. Now, Chiropractors all do that. They all come from the same education as far as medical education is concerned. They all pretty much do the same thing. So the first thing that I, I speak to a, a customer about is what makes you different? Why? Because unless you are different and you are doing something, offering something, or, uh, or in some shape or form different, you're a me too. And if you're a me too, you're a commodity. And if you're a commodity, you get dictated to what the price is. It's uh, all about price. Will, yeah, people, most times people will shop for, for, for price. You know, if it's, if all chiropractors have a $29, you know, free offer to get your neck cracked or whatever it may be, uh, then the guy who does it for $15 is going to get the deal kind of thing, uh, all things being equal. So you want to, number one, have something that, that differentiates you, makes you special. Um, that attracts the client. So what? So the, I spoke to this guy and I said, now, what do you do? And he came up and he said, well, we have this particular system we use and it works extremely well. So I said, okay, now what's the name of that system? Not, not the complicated technical name, but what would you call it? And he told me the name. So we started to advertise. Um, uh, on, uh, we were doing Facebook advertising at that stage because he, the clientele profile was a Facebook viewer uh, and not an Instagram or... or, or right. Or, uh, Again, you knew your customer profile. You knew who you were trying to reach. Exactly. So we then said, do you have this kind of problem? And he was very specific on the problems that they fixed. They fixed, again, most of the problems, but this was the one he liked to to uh, to go into. And it always had to do with lower back and and the way that they fix it quicker without you know, cranking your neck and without putting you through all kinds of gyrations to to uh, see if they hear noises coming out of your body that tell you that yep you, you're okay or you're not so we we um, concentrated on that and then we took them to a funnel and the funnel of course they the, the client doesn't know this is a funnel it's just in their name a website but it's a very one-page type website and then the, the questions got slightly more technical in the sense of, yes, in, in my mind, yes, they have one problem. They have this particular problem. Now we go in and we expand that problem. Does it do this? Have you tried that? All the things we know they probably have and have, for example, have you tried this and it didn't work? Yes. Did you try this and it didn't work? Yes. Uh, are you getting this kind of pain when you do that? Yes. So very brief, but again, solidifying the conversation in the client's mind because they know the pain they've got. They know the frustration of going to this guy and not getting the, the, the problem sorted out, then going to another guy and the same thing. So 
Then, if you'd like to learn more, we'll give you something. Now, you must always give away first. So, in this case, we'll give you not only a free report, but we'll give you a free or a not so much free in this case, free report, but a very low price, seven, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars. Some type of special offer. Special offer to see if you're a fit for us and if we're a fit for you. In other words, it's not a sell, sell, sell. It's let's see if we can help you. We think we can, but let's see if if you know you if your problem is what we can fix, kind of thing. So. The client now is, is intrigued. A lot of things are going through a client's mind, obviously. Number one, this guy looks like these guys can solve my problem. Number two, they, they're not beating me over the head with a stick to say, come in, come in, we'll do this immediately, kind of thing. Um, and we get them then to, to provide an email uh, and a name, obviously. Now, that's really important because having done that, you they have now opted in uh, to you and you'll send them a, right. a confirmation email confirming that they're opted in, but they're opted in, which entitles you now to build a list and a list to any business in the world nowadays is of, it's a critical asset. If you don't have a list that you can market to absolutely regularly, you're consistently doing what we call cold marketing. In other words, you're constantly advertising for leads. But if you have a list or you build a list, then that list is a warm market. And that list gets approached a whole, or those people on the list get approached in a whole different manner because they're already warm. They, 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 they're beginning to trust you. They're beginning to like you. And, and that is, is the next step in, the, in that process. You have the beginning or a current relationship with them. There's a reason for them to trust you, to like you, to engage with you. And not only will that bring in someone who has not yet purchased from you, but that's a hugely important component to people that have already purchased from you. Because if they had a good experience the first time, they're probably going to come back if you stay in touch with them. That is, you hit the nail slap on the head. In fact, uh, it's a, we, we have a, a program that has five steps in it. Uh, and I call it the pot of gold because it worked for me. <laughs> so, and we used to sort of laughingly in the office say, well, let's put the pot of gold system into place today. Uh, but uh, the last step in that is retargeting the market. So in other words, if you don't go back on an absolutely consistent basis, this is not when you remember or... Uh, you know, mm -hmm. please tell the office girl to, when she's not very busy to call up a few clients. No, no. This is a, a, a consistent um, approach to people, whether it's emails, phone calls, or whatever, a combination of all, to make sure that you are constantly driving them either to their first visit or to subsequent visits or to upgrades or to whatever it may be, or maybe just to a freebie uh, for, for some reason because it's a... Uh, they're a great client and you want to just give them something back. Mm -hmm. So yes, you're right on that. That is a critical element. And and to kind of bring it back to your, what you said earlier, a marketing, for lack of a better term, a marketing plan, a marketing effort should be a long-term effort to communicate right. regularly with prospects, with customers, whoever you come into contact with because you're having those conversations with them historically you know if we want rewind time 10 20 30 40 years 
that those relationships were built in person. Those conversations took place face to face. Absolutely. It doesn't happen that way anymore. It takes place digitally, whether it be through social media, whether it be through emails or texts or to your point, you know, phone calls. Maybe it's a combination, like you said, right. but you need to have the well-executed plan to continue the conversation. Even if you're not with them physically, which 2020 showed us big time, right. you need to be able to continue to build and refine that relationship virtually digitally and a, a well-created marketing plan where you know your customer base is going to be so huge there's no question you're you're absolutely spot on uh the tragedy is very few people do that uh Sadly. if they do they do bits and pieces that's the the other part that i've seen is they'll say oh yes we're on facebook and we're doing quite okay with it and then you say well what do you do and you get the lead from facebook. what do they do where do they go oh they call us we say call us if you're interested well yeah, that's probably worked to a degree, but you, you know, the client's got to stop doing A and go mm -hmm. to B. And the chances of doing that are pretty slim to nothing most well, times. Well, especially with your point about, you know, the attention span, exactly. that it, the longer that process goes, you it had better be a very high value ticket and very important to them, right. maybe like a mortgage where there's yeah. there's a, an incentive for them to stay in there. But Do if that, it's, yeah. If it's a relatively small investment, you got to be keeping those clicks going quickly and make it an easy purchase process. Absolutely. Do not make it a pain to purchase from you. I'm shocked by the number of businesses that I see where it's like, I can't I can't work with you online. I have to go through this half hour of this, then an hour of this, then a half hour of this. If it's a relatively straightforward product. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it, exactly. It needs it to really be is. easy. It's brutal. But you know, I mean, today people want it quick. They want it easy. Uh, and, and I mean, Amazon's got to be the, the shining light of all marketing in that sense. I mean, nothing could be easier than buying on Amazon. No, exactly. If you think about it, I mean, the, the, the availability of the of the inventory of any shape and form and nature is, is there. Uh, you can get all the reviews. You press a button and it's delivered. I mean, heck, what else do you want? And and I think Amazon's a classic example. They started off in a garage. They didn't start off spending a million dollars a day on marketing. You don't have to spend that much. Take a portion of your revenue. Again, this is where you need to have a good financial plan. Take a portion of your revenue, budget it for marketing, and invest in that because that's building. Again, it's communicating with your, with your database, with the people that you know. People that have bought from you in the past. Um, I, I could talk about that for hours. I oh, won't. Yeah. But, but look, you know, and it goes right back to what you said in the beginning as, for example, is marketing an investment or an expense? Now, I would say 98% of the people I talk to, it's an expense. Because right. the first question almost is, well, how much is this going to cost? Say, well, I'll tell you how much it'll cost. That's not a problem. But you're immediately regarding it as an expense and that's the wrong way to look at it because as you just said it's it's an investment if you don't do this and do it efficiently i hate to be blunt about it but you actually are going to go out of business sometime down the road it's, it's, it's going to happen because their competition is and it, it's not a, it's, a, it's not a matter of if but when and that's you know again you know 2020 really highlighted that in some cases very unfairly but the businesses that adopted good marketing practice, good digitalization, good virtualization. I know, uh, for example, a, a smoothie store here in Texas that had their best year. Why? Oh. They had a great marketing program. They digitalized their product offering. They were ahead of the curve. Right, right. And to your report too, about if any investment that a business owner makes, they can tie it to a, a, to a return. If it's a positive sure. return, 
there, it's a no brainer. <laughs> if you put in, if you put in five and you get out ten, heck yeah, take that every day of the week. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. If you put in two and get back three, you still. Looking pretty damn good. Because again, it's those increases over time. We're not looking yeah. for the home run every single day. Of course, every one of us loves to hit the home run, especially yeah. in business. Don't get me wrong. But it's the consistent effort, making that little bit of improvement each and every day. And that is a specific question I do want to ask your opinion on because you have really good frontline, you know, experience in the actual industry. General industry trend for small business, what I see and read. 10 to 15% of revenue should go towards marketing for business budget. Fair amount, you think? Yeah, I, I, there's no doubt. Uh, you know, if you if you try and rephrase it another way, if you think of this, that cash flow is either your greatest friend or your worst enemy. And because if it's not coming in, it's your worst enemy. And if it's coming in in buckets, it's your great friend. But the generation of cash flow, how do you generate that? And it's all from marketing, uh, or it's a, a huge percentages from marketing. Right. Uh, has therefore, just by logic, got to be the most important thing in your, in your business's life. Because if you are not generating cash flow, like I say, you don't have a business. So it's not an expense, it's an absolute investment. And I would say, you know, 10 to 15 percent is, is is about where it should be. But if if you look at some of the bigger guys, they're into like a 25 percent easily. Yep. Because, and they're big because of a reason they, they spend more money on it. And it also depends upon the business maturity and the, and the stage the business oh, yes, is in. Because when you're just starting out. Yeah, you don't have 25 percent to do it. <laughs> no, but as you grow, you're going to need a bigger chunk to build the awareness. You're Especially oh. if you have the benefit of investors or people contributing capital. Again, you got to be careful so you don't throw it away. Sure. But yeah, you're going to need a bigger investment just to build awareness. That's that's the nature of the beast. Right, right. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And I mean, I look at the businesses I had and, uh, you know, I mean, the first thing you do is, you know, most businesses look at the profit and they say, oh boy, okay, well, we've paid the expenses. Now we've got X amount of dollars. And uh, now what can we go buy or what can we go do or what can, whatever it may be. Uh, I learned the very hard way that what you do is you, you you do your normal things and then you say, okay, now we go over budget on marketing because we've got a, an extra couple of thousand. Let's put that into marketing and let that work at creating more thousands. If, if you've got a formula that works, don't change the don't formula. Change Just feed it more. That, it. That's the whole point of a business where you have that formulaic structure. You have that system where it's, hey, I put in an input of two and I get an output of three. Right. Perfect. Well, then find a way to put your input of four and you'll get an output of six and you keep scaling that. Now you've got something that's absolutely beautiful and amazing. Exactly. Exactly. But it all takes, uh, and like I said earlier, you need somebody who's going to be not part-time, not occasionally, but full-time on your marketing. There's no question about whether it's an outside operation like ourselves, whether it's a, a very knowledgeable employee or two, uh, it doesn't matter, but somebody's got to be doing this job full time because it's that critical. And it's not going to take care of itself. No, not at all. <laughs> and you said earlier too a very important thing because if you don't, that guy down the road, he is, and he'll just blow you out of the water. It's not a matter of if, but when. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> there's always somebody out there that's you know really smart, and particularly you know a lot of business owners 
uh, are like myself. They, they're kind of getting into the gray-haired category. They're, they're the sort of 50 and upwards kind of, of age group. Not all, but a lot. Uh, and there's a certain mindset and a certain way we were brought up and a certain bunch of things we were used to. Now, the new generation coming up, they're, they're a whole different animal. I mean, these guys are, I mean, I got grandkids that, that are, are amazing on, on technology, you know? uh, but they're not alone by any means. I mean, I'm sure every, every kid of that age is, but their whole mind frame is different. So a guy of 35 coming into an industry, uh, he, he's going to be gung-ho marketing and, and uh, internet, uh, you know, that, that's going to be the whole damn thing. Uh, and anything else will try to take second place. And there's a reason they understand it. They're damn good at it. And, uh, and it works. And to your point, that goes back to what you said earlier about knowing your customer avatar, because the way you try to reach that individual is going to be different than the way you try to reach a banking executive who's got 40 years of experience. Right. Two very different customer avatars. That's not a bad thing at all, but you don't want to invest all of your money on Facebook or Instagram trying to reach the bank executive. He's not going to be there. He's on LinkedIn. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's where, again, you have to take some time to think about it, develop the plan. It's, it's not going to just form on its own organically. And that's something I do want to bring up too, because I think there are a lot of small businesses that rely on word of mouth, so to speak. That can't in and of itself be a marketing plan, but Ooh, just relying purely on people to talk and just leaving it there, that's not a plan. That's just called being passive. And that is very, very dangerous. Right. And, and it can dry up tomorrow. You know, uh, I mean, there's no question about it. No, it it's one, yeah. much part of it because, I mean, people... People love to talk, and I'm sure you're the same as me. If, if I have a good experience somewhere, uh, and we're having dinner with somebody a week later, uh, and that subject comes up, I say, oh, boy, you know, you need to get hold of this guy. He's really good at, at what he does. This is what he did for me. For so sure. it's a natural human thing, and it's, yes, it's, it's got to be cultivated. But to your point, um, there's a I know a 17 year old by the name of Eric Johnson, uh, in the middle of starting his own business. You know he's got this you know big dream of owning his own thing and all that. Um, came out, provided a service, did an amazing job. And so I left a you know review from on Google. That is word of mouth. You can incorporate that into your strategy, so you have an automated. Hey, I delivered your your product or service. Thank you so much for using us. If you had a great experience, please leave a review here. And right. you can incorporate that into a plan to where it's a true plan that can be executed, not just one off. You know, I'll randomly ask to your point earlier about you know being. I'll randomly call this person or ask this person for a review. That that's not again. That's not a process. That's not a system. That's not a business. That's that's a one off. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah, such nice. a huge difference. Wow, Colin, this has absolutely flown by. Um, I do, this is kind of my favorite part. I want to spend, because you're a man of wisdom, I do want to spend a little extra time on this last segment. Sure. So you've got about 15 minutes or so. Okay. Based upon your experiences as a business owner, what are three things that you would recommend to small businesses that they start doing today if they are not already doing? Well, I think the very first one is one we've mentioned already, uh, but it's probably worth mentioning again, and that's the avatar and knowing who that that uh, that client is, and, or they're a prospect at this stage, knowing their concerns, knowing, and I really mean knowing it. Right. So how do you know it? Well, you ask questions. Uh, the best people to start with is your own your own clients that you have a, a client list of right now, 
and, and they would be very easy to work with because they know you, they trust you, they're happy, is to draw up a, a little questionnaire, a short two, three questions, that's all, and just say to them, when you bought from us or even at any stage and you're in the process of buying, what were the three major concerns you had at that time? Uh, and obviously the people who have bought from you a couple of years ago may have to scratch around a little, but somebody who bought from you last week um, would be, you know, they would be fresh in their mind because you want to hear it. You don't want to guess. You don't want to sit there and say, I think their problem is this. Therefore, I will. Uh, you know. it, don't, don't. It's like the old assume thing. Don't assume. It just don't makes assume. a lot of you and me. Yeah, no, no, exactly. no. So you need to know and you need to find out uh, how. And there, there is a variety of questionnaires that are a very good thing. But not only is, is that important to know who you're marketing at or to, but your copy has got to be and address all of those points. Uh, so you may have a great marketing headline and your copy has got no relevance to the headline at all because your copy may be saying, beat the chest, we're so good, you know, we've been 20 years in business, we're doing this, we're doing that. The client's not interested. You hooked him by saying, here's a problem and uh, is this your problem because we can help you and then he gets into let's say the sales funnel and he only finds there's a lot of blurb uh, in fact john you know what really shatters me is going on to companies websites before we we get into a client uh, too much discussion with the client i always say just give me your website i'd like to have a look at it and of course they they great websites most of them they're pretty and they're very informative and they do the worst sales job that is possible to do <laughs> because in the websites, in the web designer's eyes and maybe the business owner's eyes, this is meant to be a, not a memorial, so to speak, but a, it's, it's, it's a statement of how good we are. It's a statement of why you, Mr. Client, should come to us because this is what we can do. And that's totally the wrong way around. It's got to be this is what we can do for you and by the way this is what we've done in the past but that's a kind of a throwaway you know just just to give him confidence that or give the client confidence that okay these guys know what they're talking about but the the bulk of it 80 percent, 90 percent of it's got to be addressing the concerns of that of that client and unless you know those concerns you can't do it so right out the gate if you don't have that you've got a real problem and that's where also, you know, it's so important to know what role your website has in your business development slash marketing plan. Is it meant to be an informational hub or is it meant to be the sales pitch? Is it meant to be the close? Because you're going to have to design it with all those different components in mind. I mean, to your point about, you know, using funnels and such, websites aren't a one size fit, fits all. Anyone, can, I can go on to Wix and throw up a website. It might be a really lousy website. But again, that's the anyone can do that part of it. The key is how you leverage that to bring you towards your ultimate vision. That is the million dollar question. Right. And you know, again, information is great and, and it's absolutely a part of business. You've got to you've got to provide information about yourself. So I'm not I'm not decrying that, but what I am saying is that way above information in importance is cash flow, which comes from sales. Mm. And if you don't have the sales, you can have all the information you like. <laughs> exactly and for the vast for the vast majority of business models I, I don't want to put a number on it but we'll just say the vast majority the website's the close that's where you go to make the purchase and to right. your point yes it needs to have a strong this is your problem this is your solution 
we're going to take care of it for you. That's why you click buy now right here. Right. And that's where you tied into the whole marketing plan, why they're there. Because by the time someone visits your website and the customer journey, they're probably serious about buying your product already. They probably didn't stumble across it. Oh, yeah. That's some random thing. They're, They're probably looking. And at that point, yeah, that's the time to make that strong, clear problem, need, solution. Right. Exactly. And that's exactly right. Problem needs solution. That's that's exactly the order it's it's got to go in. Because uh, you know, if if I, if I feel comfortable as a person that you can solve my problem, I'm going to give you a lot of my attention. Uh, and then mm-hmm. if if uh, you you uncover uh, or bring to the surface the need for that solution, which even though I know I've got the need and I've got the problem, if you exacerbate it for me, uh, then I become very anxious to get this thing sorted out. And then you say, well, now having got all that, here's the solution. I can do it. That's, you know, many years ago when I first started out as a, as a junior salesman in the real estate world, and this is going back a few years, <laughs> I uh, I had an, a, a sales manager. He was a real cranky old guy, but he'd been in the game a long time. And I went out and they gave me a basic rudimentary sales training. And off I went and I, I really wasn't very good at it. And he called me in one day and he said, listen here, young man, he was a Scot and he had, he had a, a real Scots accent. And he said, now come ye here, lad, I, I want to talk to you. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. And he said, look, let me give you a very short sales lesson that I never want you to forget. So I said, oh boy, I'm all here. Give it to me. So, because right now I'm selling very little. <laughs> he said, you ask them what they want and you gotta give it to them. <laughs> and I thought the guy was joking. <laughs> I laughed politely, you know. Thought, this, this guy's not with the program. He's getting too old. Better put him out to graze. <laughs> but when I thought about it, uh, it's exactly right. It's, it's such and a common... I'm a much more complicated version of that, but many people today don't ask you what you want. It's they the, start telling you what they've got <laughs> and why it should fit, even if they have to hammer it a bit to make it work, but it should fit your problem. And that it's the old story. You don't take a square block and try to force it into a round hole. Cause it, it, it doesn't matter what you do. It's not going to be the right fit. And that just creates headache for everyone. Right. right. Now that, it's, it's so true though. So number one tip, building the customer avatar. What's number two? You know, number two, I would say in my book would be be sure to be different. Uh, John, there might be a bit of a noise. It appears that the, the landscape guys decided to blow all the stuff off the front of us. <laughs> so if it interrupts or interferes a bit, uh, I apologize. You're can good. you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Okay. Um, you must be different. Uh, I think we brought this up right in the beginning. You've got to be unique. You've got to be special. You've got to have the ability to stand out from the crowd. You don't want to be a me too. And it doesn't have to be a huge difference. And it must not necessarily be service. Oh, go away, go on. Hang on one second, John. Sorry about this. No worries, no worries. Uh, of all the days he chooses to come, but there you go. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be a, a huge thing. And yes, it's good to say we are the greatest, you know, we give the greatest service. Everybody does that. And everybody says that. 
So it's got to be something uh, that is unique or a part of what you do is unique or different to somebody else and then play the heck out of that because mm -hmm. that's what's going to make you stand out. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. Be different to your customer avatar, not in your own mind. Because, yes, I can really hang my hat and be like, I'm truly the best customer service. Even if I truly am, right. that's a commodity space. Everyone's going to claim it, and it, you'll, you'll never be able to truly dominate that realm like that. And, and, you know, John, the belief is not there because everybody's saying it. You know, I mean, so, yeah, yeah you're probably right, but I'm not buying it. You know, hook, line, and sinker. I'm buying it with reservations. Exactly. Uh, so you, you, as you say, you, you've got to be different, and it's not that difficult. But you know, if if you're a plumber and you do the same thing as every other plumber, then you need to do something different. Whether it's price, whether which is a bad way to go, but whether it's price, whether it's you do specific jobs, or whatever it may be. Now, a lot of people have said to me, "Oh, but if I do that, I'm going to narrow my market down." Yes, absolutely. But then you're going to be an expert in that particular market and you're going to dominate it. So which would you rather have? You dominate a smaller market or you're a player of some sort in a huge market? Uh, yeah, and it's better to start off in something smaller that you can dominate because Absolutely. then you can you build the brand, you build this brand of excellence, and then whenever you enter a new market, that brand of excellence follows you. So people are like, "You did so well over there. I guarantee you can do the same thing over here. I'm following you, you know, yeah. into this particular area." That's the goal because if you just kind of start off scattered, I mean, I get you'll take any cash you can. You can don't get me wrong. If it's as oh, long sure. as you can provide the product or service at a good right. level, right. But again, it's about honing in on that target market. Absolutely right. There's no question. And I certainly learned, as I mentioned that right in the beginning, I think in my my beginning of my business life was as soon as I became different, it, it just rolled so smoothly. And I became known as, and you know, the funny thing is people who are in the same industry as you, but another section of it, will refer people across to you. And obviously you you give them some kind of kickback on it, um, but uh, they'll refer people across to you because they can't handle it. And they say, oh, if you've got that problem, go to this guy because we don't do that, but he does that. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, this being different is a, is a big, big, big thing. So true, so true. What's tip number three? Oh boy. <laughs> well, let me think for a second. You know, we spoke about, um, how valuable cash flow is, or not valuable, sorry, how important it is, and how important it is to know how to generate it, and that somebody should have, somebody should be spending a lot of time doing it. Well, I'll give you a test that, I'll give the listeners a test that I was given years ago, and I can tell you right up front, I failed miserably in this test. <laughs> but this is the test, it's a very simple test. I. Uh, I call it, but it was called the yellow page test. And that is this. You take a yellow uh, uh, page, uh, what do you call the darn things, uh, pad. Yeah. And uh, just divide it in two and block off uh, four lines. Each four lines is a quarter of an hour. Block off eight of those four lines. So what you've done is you've blocked off eight hours of the quarter of an hour uh, space, mm -hmm. four quarters making up one, one hour. 
Now, people say to me, oh, I don't have time for this. You do. Because once an hour for eight hours in a day, you should really do it for more than that. But one day I'll give you the, we'll give you the heads up quickly. Just write down at the end of every hour what you did in that hour. If it was in court of hour things, or if you did, if you were in a meeting for the whole hour, it doesn't matter. Just write down in that space what you did very briefly. In other words, I spoke to the, I was with an accountant. I was with a, in a marketing meeting, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever it was, just a brief description. At the end of the day, sit down, take out any kind of color highlighter you like, and just highlight the items that were specifically generating sales to get cash flow, specifically. So if you were in a marketing meeting, yes, that's good. Uh, if you uh, were, were picking up the phone and talking to clients, yes, that's good. But I'll tell you what, you would be very lucky, the average business person, very lucky if you make 20% of the time, of your time given to that function. And the only way to prove it is to do that. Because when I did it, I was about 12%. And I thought, man. But if you asked me without that, I was talking, man, I'm busy. I got it under control. I'm handling it. I know I am. It's all good. But it's not good. It's not working. Um, but so I would suggest that your listeners try that because I promise you, as much of a fag as it is to say, oh man, I got to do this every hour for eight hours, it's really not a big deal. It's eight entries. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's a great productivity check because there's a difference between activity and productivity. And you hit oh. the nail on that. There, it's a common small business problem. It's like, oh, I am so busy. I cannot leave my office. I just have to keep doing this. Right. Are the things that you are doing, the activities you're engaging in, are they driving you towards business growth? Are they driving that you know top line revenue up? If so, well done. That's that's all good. If not, reality check. What do you? Is it absolutely necessary? If it is, I totally get. For example, uh, spending time with legal attorneys. That's not probably driving your revenue up, but it could very well. It could be absolutely essential. That's okay. But if it's dilly-dallying for lack of a better term or doing something that you could have delegated time is money time is money and as a small business owner you cannot afford to do things that you can delegate to others your time is more valuable than that absolutely and and that what that taught me and, and i think it would teach your listeners too is that hey if i'm only doing 20 percent, let's just say i i don't have the ability to do a hundred because i mean i've got a business to run i've got things to do right so i need someone that can take a hundred percent of their day and work on my on my uh, marketing for me uh, somebody who's just doing that they're not worried about you know my trucks breaking down they're not worried about deliveries they're not worried about uh, whatever they're worried about <laughs> they, that's all they're doing is they are setting it up and the other thing is, of course, it doesn't work overnight. I mean, it's not, there's not going to be any magic solution the next day. But right. it's not. And it's, it's a realization that, and I keep coming back to cash flow because cash flow was drawn into me so hard that, you know, if your cash flow is not consistent, you have a marketing problem and it's a big one. You better fix it now. Um, and so that would be my, my third point. Those are all hugely applicable components. You know, I really identify that customer avatar, identify that which makes you different, and do a little productivity test. I mean, it doesn't take much, to, just a few minutes 
just make sure that you're on point and that everything you're doing is moving the ball forward. Right. And, and if you're at 80%, hallelujah, just kind of carry on doing it. Exactly. If you, if you, and have patience then because small business ownership, like you said, isn't overnight success. I think what's the old saying, overnight success is like seven years or something. <laughs> yeah. It takes time. As long, And this is why you track metrics. As long as you're moving the ball forward, as long as you're doing what you need to do, just stick with it. Good things will happen. The you know that month six through eighteen are some of the hardest months for small business owners. Right. Just get through that time period. Stick to your metrics. Know what you need to do. And if you're doing it, just stay true. Hold hold the course, and you'll be fine. Absolutely, because you know, as you said, months one to uh, in fact one to twenty four, I think are already you know you know, and your own. You should be just consumed with getting sales at that time because. <laughs> If you're getting enough sales, you know, the old story, money will solve any problem. <laughs> True. Yeah. And like the rough creates a big one. <laughs> right. And if you're getting sales, you're getting cash flow, you can pay an accountant, you can pay a, an assistant, you can pay whoever it may be. You got the cash. But exactly. if you don't have the cash. You can't do anything. That's right. Colin, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you Pleasure. taking time out of your schedule, sharing your business journey and your three tips for business owners. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, John. And I'm sorry about the noise from the blower guy. <laughs> no, it's part, part of small business ownership. You never know what it throws at you. Right. Stay safe, stay blessed, and we'll be in touch. Thank you, John. Pleasure talking with you. Bye-bye.